Hello, welcome to Talk Gnosis. Uh, I'm Jason Memel, and today we're doing something that we're calling Metanostic. Um, we've done lots of shows interviewing experts and academics about their books and their fields of study, and this is part of the tradition of Gnosticism, where searching for new kernel of wisdom might unlock a fresh door of experience. But what I thought we'd also do is let you meet some of the people who call themselves Gnostics who practice it, on top of what it is we study or think about, although that stuff's also going to come up. Um, in case this is your first time uh, watching the show with us, if you're new to Gnosticism, the absolute shortest way I describe it is a kind of deeper knowing, a connection that you can't really be learned, that you can't learn or be taught exactly, but you can discover through faith, mystical exploration, or my own favorite art. Um, it can be described as a kind of a deep connection, something you didn't know you forgot. And uh, there's a whole lot of traditions out there that have cosmologies of figures that are either trying to keep us from remembering, or at the very least, in the way of remembering. And a lot of this has also been tied up in, in historical uh, uh, faith traditions, including and especially Christianity. Um, yeah, that's the like the the <laughs> the speed version through a lot of uh, Gnostic philosophy. But uh, yeah, and so this idea of meeting a Gnostic today, we're going to meet me, um, and my co-host John is going to actually be the one fielding all the questions. So hey, John, how's it going? Oh, it's going really good. You know, this is a guest we've been wanting to have on for a long time. Uh, Jason Murmur, he's a writer. He's a theater artist. Uh, Jason Boo Boo, welcome to the show. Um, I got to dive in right away. Gnosticism is incredibly, uh, this is a I use a lot and that I often comment that I use it a lot. Hey, I'll start off something, uh, Jason, but before we, we get to the, 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 the first question, which is what I like to ask a lot, which is what do you think of Gnosticism as, as a self-critical system? I know that's skipping ahead, but you know, that, that's something that's really important for me and it ties into what you were just saying, right? That this demiurge mythology is is a kind of way to be religious while critiquing religion at the same time. And I think there's ways to do that with other mythologies, with other ways of knowing, with art, um, uh, that, that it is a, a system with, with strong critique built in. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think that's a great question. I think it's, it's the, uh, it's also tied to like why, uh, like because of how I approach a lot of this stuff at some at some point some people might say like why are you even calling yourself a Gnostic like maybe <laughs> you're like you're not doing a lot of the stuff that a lot of other Gnostics do are what you call yourself a Gnostic and it's that criticality is I think key I think that's the thing that uh, that's maybe also I think I should be uh, that should I should add into my like speed through Gnostic philosophy is that um, that the experience of gnosis I think the experience of having a deeper connection to something. Uh, will also make you ask why you don't get to have that experience all the time. Um, and that that moment will have you start to question the world around you and start to be critical, I think, of the world around you. Um, uh, so I think I think it's that kind of that approach of making sure that you're not simply um, accepting any single truth, you know, like the constant questioning, the constant criticality, even of the mythologies that are supposed to free you from uh, older rules, I think, or other rules, like even that should be critiqued. Like there should be nothing that you hold on faith other than pursuit of Gnosis, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, my understanding of Gnosticism has a, has a lot to do with the, there's traps within traps within traps within traps, right? And mm. I think even the mythology kind of says, you know, that that thing that you think is freeing you is actually, it can also be a trap. And uh, and I think that also has to to apply to, to Gnosticism. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, I think sometimes 
particularly when we argue in our heads. Uh, Jason and I are very good about not arguing with people on the internet. Uh, about narcissism, um, but when we argue with people in our heads about uh, with people on the internet about narcissism, the, the, the cliche about the journey is the destination. I, I think people get too fixated on the destination that it that it is. Um, it, this is very hackneyed, and you can find it in the Hallmark cards and other uh, systems of knowing. Uh, but it, but it is actually making the effort to the end point that that's where we get the gnosis where we get self-discovery where we get discovery of the universe and maybe it is just getting out of the trap and getting into another trap so you can get out of that trap to get into yet another trap but this is this is speculation we can get into later in the show because we want to specifically talk about more of you jason uh what is your gnostic origin story <laughs> great great question again uh the so um and other people like people who've heard the show for a while might already know some of this, but, uh, cause I, I have repeated it before, but, um, I grew up, I would say like vaguely Christian in the sense that I was raised in a, you know, Christian community. My, my mom raised me in a Lutheran church. Um, uh, but I never had like a deep theological appreciation or engagement. Like I was never like this awesome. Um, I think at most, I think I had what I would call an aesthetic response, which is a, which I'll get to later, but I think that's actually kind of why, what I think is, is at the core of a lot of this anyway, but but I never was like, I never felt deeply connected to that. A good friend of mine was running a Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, and his whole concept about it was rather than playing in some fantasy world, he were playing in real world history. And uh, he was a history major. He's an atheist. Uh, so he wasn't even like doing this out of any kind of specific, um, you know, like uh, cosmological interest. But um, uh, he started incorporating Gnostic ideas because I wanted my wizard to use magic, but we needed to try to find a way to make magic work. And so he started getting into these like existential Gnostic ideas around archons and and like there being uh, ways to access levels of power, etc. You know, and that would be like how magic would work. Then you get the ability to you know cast a fireball because you like made agreements with the right archons and stuff. And I was like, is this, is this history stuff? Like, are you pulling this from somewhere? You go, oh yeah, it's this Gnostic thing. Like the talking about the non-comedy, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, okay, that's fascinating. And I started researching it. Like I started Googling it and stuff. I came across a Houston Smith lecture, which I, you can put in the show notes somewhere. Um, a Western path towards Asia, which was this like recording he gave, or that was made like years ago. Like I think it was recorded in the like, maybe like eighties or nineties or something. Um, but I listened to it and he kind of get, does this like whirlwind tour of various flavors of Gnosticism, um, uh, and like really expressing it as a way to approach some of the stuff that Buddhism kind of also connects to, or like Zen Buddhism of like approaching, um, an unspeakable thing through, through a certain kind of an approach. And that is sort of his, his argument too, is that this is like this mystical approach was, a Western path towards a similar goal of where, of where Buddhism kind of tries to lead to. So I was like, okay, this is all super fascinating. Um, I'm now going to Google like Gnosticism Calgary to see if there's anybody in my local town that does it. And then I met uh, uh, Sean McCann of the AJC um, and started up a lifelong friendship there and started attending there. And uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I got into all of this. And, and maybe worth noting at this point of it too, is that like, um, what, what I found really compelling about this were a few things like the divine spark, the experience of Gnosis. A lot of this spoke to me, not just because I, uh, it was like another way to talk about faith compared to how I was brought up. Like it wasn't just replacing, 
a faith structure for me. He was actually specifically addressing my experience as a theater maker by letting me, uh, by giving me, you know, spiritual metaphors that, that attach to those things. Like it was the first time I felt I'd found uh, a, a faith tradition that could, that could apply to me as an artist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's something about theater in particular that I think resonates with Gnosticism. Uh, and, and maybe there's even a direct connection there with their love of uh, Greek tragedy and Greek drama. So they, they were big Aristotle fans. Uh, they're a big well-made play, uh, well play fans. Mm -hmm. But uh, a topic for another day, uh, a topic I'm sure we, we will come back to. Uh, the, a great question that, that I wrote down here is, so Jason, when I argue with people on the web in my head, about Gnosticism. <laughs> um, one of the reasons that I don't argue is I'm like, well, you know, in a year or two uh, time, they're not going to be interested in Gnosticism anymore. So why am I wasting my time? Um, and there's been uh, people who, the prominence is perhaps a little too generous, but uh, the, the people who talk the big game, both on, on the net and to a certain degree in, in real life, um, and then they, they just disappear from the scene. Uh, and there is, I think, something about this half-dead religion that uh, we're trying to do in the modern world in a society that is rapidly secularizing that is that is particularly difficult right <laughs> uh, so what what keeps you on the path because I'm uh, it, at the same time there is some cost I, I don't want to mock people too much the, the, there is some cost fallacy right like sometimes you do need to move on with your life sometimes you uh, you decide it's not for you um, and to put a little asterisk on, on me being facetious earlier, right? We, in the particular community that Jason and I are in, we're also quite open to people coming and going and trying it out and seeing if Gnosticism is right for them and getting very enthusiastic for a while and then decided that something else is right for them, right? That's, that, yeah. that's very common and, and I think that's good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we have uh, the occasional uh, king of the Gnostics, uh, queen of the Gnostics, announce themselves and then, and then disappear forever. So, <laughs> uh, Jason, what, what keeps you on the path? Well, and I mean, just to address also what you said there, like, uh, and connecting it back to theater is that like theater has been dying since it started. <laughs> and so it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's worth noting that, yeah, that like, I think Gnosticism is kind of in the same boat. Like there's something about, about it that keeps us doing it, even though it's hard and difficult and, uh, not everybody wants to do it with us. Um, uh, I think like in terms of what keeps me on the path, um, well, I, I, again, it goes back to that notion of criticality and about um, about there being an openness to the approach, at least as I found Gnosticism, um, that allows me to continue to explore it. I mean, in a way, maybe the, the value of it being like a, a half-dead religion that's more like uh, an umbrella that contains like seven different religions, you know, like Gnosticism is seven religions in a trench coat, you know, wandering around, um, uh, is that... Um, is that because of that instability or that lack of like really hard, cohesive, defined rules is that exploration, uh, sharing with the community, unique, powerful, weird imagery is all part of like, it, it's, it's probably something that's generally common among most folks among however their blend of Gnosticism works. Like the most, the most uh, traditionally Christian yet, but with a small dose of Gnosticism um has a lot in commonality with someone like me who's like i don't know like a um uh i i i, I generally call myself like a stoic gnostic philosopher you know um uh who has to really like 
work my mind into places to for, to appreciate like the value of the Eucharist, you know, um, it, like that doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, so yeah, so I think I think that no, the what keeps me on the path is um, the fact that there's always more path, and that no one knows where it is, but that we're all going there together. You know, um, the other thing too is like just to kind of connect on what the, one of those other things you were saying, like people coming and going, and that it's okay for people to come and go, is that this is actually something that Houston Smith kind of notes in in uh, in his lecture because at one point he goes like, well, if you know Gnostics had these great ideas, why weren't there more Gnostics? And he kind of he says like because it's hard work, like it's it's this deep philosophizing and debating and studying and and that the the small g Gnostic, the Gnostic of the style, if not the specific tradition, it's always going to be a smaller percentage. It's always going to be like five percent of people who have spirituality. Five percent of them are going to be the questioners, you know, the 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 explorers. And uh, you can answer. You don't have to answer this question, or or you can answer it in as much detail as you like or don't like. <laughs> but um, the what what do the other people in your life who who are outside of the community think think about this interest? Right, this can be friends, family, girlfriend, cat, whatever. And, and do people say? Do people do people ask you? Oh, so you're an agnostic? You know, so am I. Actually, I'm an agnostic. I, I don't know if there's if there's a thought about. <laughs> So they, you know, do, do, do they think that they've lost your mind, that you've joined a cult, that do they find it boring, do they find it interesting, do they just not ask? Can you tell me about that at all? Totally. That, I mean, again, great question. I, you know, my cat is a better Gnostic than me, I'll say. They're always, always exploring. Um, but uh, I, uh, I mean, it, it's interesting. So, like, part of the trick with Gnosticism is that depending on what you Google or how far you look, um, it can actually be something where I like I will warn people when I'm telling them what I'm interested in. Um, don't like don't think that I am the same as everything you might find when you Google Gnostics, um, because like some sometimes if you Google Gnosticism, you're going to get um, you know uh, ideas of people who are like ex accepting any conspiracy theory so long as it blames someone else for the problems of the world. You know, um, you will get uh, you will get people who are like uh, as devout and dogmatic as the most hardline evangelical, but with new different names for things, you know? Um, uh, and um, so like what I, I usually actually, uh, the way I started the show is by kind of explaining, giving a kind of an overview of, of a Gnostic approach without using a lot of historical terms um, is that's actually kind of how I start is I say, this is kind of what I do. This is kind of how I practice. Um, uh, and it's connected to this history and then I can kind of, I can follow their interest in the, in the directions of where they might have questions. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do play it a little cagey, you know, cause it's, a uh, it's it, like, there, there can be some association issues. Like I want to make sure that they aren't associating me with, with, uh, anything they might find. Yes, yeah, exactly. And again, just like Jason was saying, and I'm sure anybody watching or listening to the show has experienced this uh, already, right? We're talking anything from UFOs to Bigfoot. Uh, it's it's out there linked to to the G word. So, um, well, Jason, what's capturing your interest the most right now in regards to to the G word, to Gnosticism? <laughs> you know, uh, the the thing actually, it's it's connected from a show you just did or re released recently here about Orphism with uh, Ronnie Pontiac, I think. Um, that just like, I, I probably, 
rewound and re-listened to most of that episode as I was listening to it because I wanted to, you know, just dwell on a on a concept a little longer. Um, uh, I am not an expert in Orphic religion or philosophy right now, so this is totally me just riffing. But I, what I uh, uh, found really compelling there is that to pursue a spiritual tradition that's defined by an artist who's trying to tell a story, um, I think to me is really rich. But then the fact that there is a historical tradition to it and that a historical tradition that even touches so many other traditions means that um, that I can kind of be a like legitimate magpie. I can steal things from uh, from all different kinds of aesthetic uh, traditions under the realm of Orphism and that Orphism gives it a little more than uh, than like hey I'm just being postmodernist you know um, there's a there's like a bit more uh, I don't know perhaps a, 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 an implied value or an implied search for value uh, so that that's kind of what's capturing my interest right now I'm also really interested in uncertainty like um uh, anybody who's been following what I what I talk about on like Gnostic subreddits and things like that is I'm I'm often really trying to to disabuse people of finding a new truth and starting to kind of more like rather than say this new truth is new, truer than the last truth, um, so it's now my new single truth is to start to go like no never mind truth I will like let's just work with applicability usability within the realms of, like within healthy experiences of like community and association and you know family um uh but but uh to see to see how far living in uncertainty can take me so those are that's kind of what's been what i've been focusing on a lot lately yeah yeah absolutely and again we you know we're often simpatico in, in our thought i think we have some interesting differences um which of course makes the show more interesting but uh, the, uh, I, I'm quite on board of that uncertainty, and it's something that I, I quite center, and I think other people should, uh, I shouldn't say should, but uh, well, I'll say should, other people should be open to it. Um, I'll put it that way. So um, uh, what's your practice, Jason? Like, how are you a Gnostic in the world? Uh, how do you be a Gnostic in the world these days? Hmm. Uh, so... Uh... Personally, I think my practice is that I try to consume and engage with a lot of Gnostic ideas um, regularly. And part of that is through, uh, you were talking earlier about not arguing with people on the internet. One thing I've tried, I've really noticed with myself lately as a, as a Gnostic trying to be in community with Gnostics online is that when I see something that I disagree with, I kind of sit on it for a bit. And rather than arguing with that person, I will try to then talk about how I'm responding to their idea, not to tell them how or why they're wrong. Um, and I kind of see that almost as a Socratic process. So so one of my methods of being agnostic is uh, asking myself questions, asking questions of other Gnostics to to make sure we're talking about the same thing, to to uh, explore where an idea might live. Um, and it's, it's turned into, I think, some really interesting responses and the way people have responded to my stuff has been inspiring to me. Like, I think someone meant like we were talking about the nature, like trying not to see the world simply as evil, but as like a, a filter through which we are experiencing the divine. And then like that gave me a whole, like, I think they said something like, like um, this, this idea of seeing like a beautiful tree or something as like a, um, like a way that the divide is cracking through. And I, I think that's not a new, a new idea necessarily, but just the way they phrased it, I was like, oh yeah, that's really striking. And that's, that's something I can take with me today. 
Um, so I do try to practice in community. I try to also practice not just by talking to others, but by talking to myself. Um, a lot of self-examination, self, uh, self-debate about the things that I'm holding to be true or true-ish, <laughs> to be like usefully true, perhaps. Um, uh, and then I'm also part of a few different groups that uh, like uh, book clubs and uh, esoteric practitioners where we're trying to, where we're following like a, say like a meditation practice or a, a shared, shared ritual practice. I do also, I should also say you too, and I don't want to suggest that it's the least of all, if they probably the most connected part of my, of my practice is that here in Calgary, there is a group of Gnostics they, uh, from the Apostolic Joanite Church and they hold services. They have uh, online calls um, of discussion and these people have become like as close to me as family. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think that, that I should definitely, maybe, maybe I'm saying it at the last year and, and I'll maybe bookend it with that is that there, my practice with them in community and in, in discussion is probably the closest to my, my, how I keep being Gnostic in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really important. And I'll ask about that momentarily. And the, I, I always want to divert the topic back to the most important subject, which is myself, but I, uh, I don't want to, you know, I, the, 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 because I like having my little jokes, but I don't want to come across as, as superior, right? When I was talking about arguing with people, I, this uncertainty is so important to me and I do have a superiority complex. So I always like to put an asterisk on there that, uh, that, that I'm well aware of that. And I'm always seeking to be more humble and, and, and something that, that I've been saying a lot lately, Jason, that, that I, this is going in a direction connected to some of the things I, that, that you've been talking about uh, as a through line is I've now been involved with organized Gnosticism for um, what year is it? So for, for 13 years, 14 years, right? And I, I consider myself a Gnostic, but interested in, in reading about Gnosticism for, for uh, 20, 25, 27 years. And uh, I, I used to know what Gnosticism was, Jason, and, and now I don't. You know, the, as, as time goes on, I, I'm less and less certain what it is. And, and I'm starting to think that that's a good thing. I, I would even say that is like, that's the idea. That's the plan, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I, you know, I, even as I say that, that's a universalizing statement. Let me let me pull back on that. I, <laughs> there's no truths. Um, I would simply say they, though, as a, I think it is a healthy Gnostic response to be in questioning. It's not also it's also not the only response. I think like there can you can be a really great operational Gnostic that is connected to a lot of this stuff, not holding any truth uh, rigidly, but but holding certain experiences and practices devoutly and not changing them and questioning them all the time. That's okay too. But, but I love what you just said there, like knowing, feeling like, you know, less now, I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, another through line, uh, something that you've actually brought up, I think with every, every question I've asked you, um, and a through line that might be jumping out to people is community. And it is another obsession of mine, something I think about almost every day. Having grown up in a in a small town uh, before the world fell apart, um, uh, being embedded in multiple communities, sometimes not liking it and feeling oppressed by it, but at the same time, uh, sometimes uh, a boundary or or a limit is what gives us meaning uh, as well. Um, uh, the, I, I think uh, human beings sometimes, even if we are to break those boundaries, need some boundaries. But uh, community, Jason, what what does it mean to you? What does it mean for being a Gnostic? Tell me about that. I, I think it's the, it's honestly probably the thing that separates it from being like, say, pure philosophy. Um, uh, 
it's and I think it's also uh, one of the things that can that I think is is necessary um, to uh, or at least makes uh, makes it a lot safer to explore these ideas is to explore them in community. Um, uh, I mean that also depends on your community. Like if you're if it's a very small community or a community that is that is uh, trying to enforce a particular view versus explore together a particular view, then uh, then that could be a problem. But like, um, but yeah, I think like what what drew me to the AJC, like why I decided to participate in with the church here in Calgary and and with the group of it online, and to the point that I'm now on a on a Gnostic show, um, is I think because I saw a community of people who were uh, who were searchers but who cared for each other. Um, and I think that is, uh, that is so key. And so like, maybe it's, maybe it's also, yeah, like it's not just community. It's a community of people that you feel would care about you as much as themselves, that they want you to do well, um, uh, that they're not out to change you. They're, they're out to discover you, if that makes sense. Um, cause yeah, like there, there, there can be bad communities. There can be cults, you know, <laughs> there can be, like there could be uh, uh groups that are like echo chambers you know that can be bad but um uh but i think yeah i think that that's what that's what i think distinguishes it from being a pure philosophy where like i'm just simply writing in my in my office thinking about all this by myself and uh to to something where we're like i'm at a mass where like like i said i kind of have a not a problem with communion but like it's it's not a problem it's more like i have to I have to do a few more leaps for, for me to see communion in an aesthetically engaging way. Um, uh, then, then say someone else. Um, but now that I can do that and I have a community to do that with is as powerful for me as the act itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that leads uh, quite well into the, uh, the start of the wrap up, at least possibly the wrap up, the the final question that that we have on the sheet, which is you literally believe all of this, right? So there is a um, snake headed, or sorry, a lion headed snake in the sky who, whose whole existence is to make your existence miserable. Is that do I got that right? <laughs> like you believe all this stuff? Well, you know, actually, if I was going to believe in a, in a in a snake god, I would believe in Alan Moore's snake god, uh, Glycon. Which was, I think, uh, um, known even in the time of its history as a, uh, a hand puppet for a con man. Um, uh, uh, I think Alan Moore said, like, if you're going to worship a god, at least worship one that everyone and the god itself knows is fake. Um, uh, but yeah, okay, no <laughs> mockery aside, you know, it's it's an interesting question because I think like this is that thing, like when we talk about believing um, the. Uh, not not you necessarily, and not not a whole lot of other really smart people do this necessarily. But I think if you just say on the street, "Do you believe in X?" Um, the 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 implied whole statement there is, "Do you believe X to be true?" And this goes back to that thing I was saying there about the notion of truth. Like, um, I I what I will say is that what I believe is that there is something sublime, luminous, and unique as an experience that, that people can, can connect with. Um, I think that there is that in the, in the traditions, in the myths, the, the histories, we see, uh, a lot of useful paths to that experience and representations of that experience. And that are, and often those paths and representations are similar to each other. 
Um, and those stories feel true because I think they are speaking to a truth that we are we are experiencing in our lives. And that's not to relativize them. I think it's but to try to emphasize that not no single one of them is true, but that they're like they're they're performing or that they're showing the outline around a thing we can't actually have words for. Um, and so, and that experience I think tends to 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 manifest a kind of universality, a, a sense of fellowship, a community. Um, and I think that might be why so many rituals happen to happen around gatherings, you know, why, like, you know, why communion by yourself probably isn't nearly as, as powerful as communion in a mass, you know, um, uh, there was a, there was a, uh, and I, he's been writing about orphism, so we should have him on the show, but there's a, a thing I saw on Facebook by Corey Childs, where he talked about, um, I think the uh, the zodiac, but he called it a a useful conceptual interface for uh, interfacing with the whole. Um, and like I loved that phrase because I thought it was it 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 implied so much. Um, and like I, I've said before, like, I struggle with some of this church stuff, but that's not because like I have a, a um, an allergy to it or a rejection of it, like. Like I'm, I'm disavowing the faith of my family or anything like that in the sense of rebellion. It's more like I, I, uh, I get caught up in, I think like, um, in a lot of the stuff to me that seems like it's not connected to the numinous or it's not focused on the numinous. Um, and that pulls me away. I, I start thinking more about the history of, of things rather than the, the poetry of the moment. Um, uh, but yeah, so like. Uh, I guess to, again to kind of go to go back to all of it, like I do believe that we are connecting with something bigger than us, and that uh, and that all of these, uh, I, both the myths and the the traditions that we're practicing, are true enough to be useful um, in some capacities, and that but that like as we were saying before about exploration, that none of them are above questioning, you know. Um, uh, because yeah, like when I'm practicing, uh, like my meditation practice or like some of my, the other esoteric practices that I've done that involve like any kind of ritual work, um, I'm trying not to tell myself, well, it's all relative, you know, like, um, it's like whatever you feel, man. Like, um, I, uh, like, I, I feel like I'm taking it seriously and maybe actually this is a, an interesting way to connect it back to theater. Cause I think like a great actor when doing a play uh, they know they're not that character. The audience knows they're not that character, but a great actor is still connected to the truth of the experience, if not the truth of being that person on stage. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's maybe a useful way to say it here. Like, if I'm if I'm invoking the logos, um, I don't need there to be a physical logos somewhere for that to be true, you know. Um, uh, because I because I can I can be true to the to the intent the the aesthetic intent the same way an actor is true to the aesthetic intent of what they're doing with their character. Well, you know that I think that actually is a good place to wrap up. Uh, everybody, go to chasenmemo.com, dot com. Check <laughs> out the theater company that he is artistic director for. Uh, SageTheater.com. dot uh, com. You can give us money so we can keep doing the show at patreon.com slash gnostic. You know, unlike uh, every literally every other podcast with a Patreon, we're not sellouts to give you something for giving us money. Uh, <laughs> but um, we we hypothetically give you the shows early. Uh, we haven't done that for a couple of months, but I'll, I'll tell you what. 
if my 13 year old, uh, 13 year old, 13 month old daughter ever lets me sleep, <laughs> I'll send you some shows. But here's the thing, folks if you ever sign up ever and give us $1, we keep you on the Patreon list and you still get whatever the paying patrons, uh, patrons get. So you're kind of a patron for life. It's a pretty sweet deal, actually. And someday we're going to figure out more things to give you that aren't that aren't shows. But but all jokes aside about keeping pure, we don't want to lock up any content behind a paywall. So that that is why we don't give anything extra. Uh, you can also do one-time donations at paypal.me slash gnostic. Slash gnostic. That's the the no sleeping thing I was telling you about. Everybody, it's 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 the, this is a great idea that, that Jason's had. So give us money so he can keep doing it. Uh, he's going to be interviewing more people, just like he is interviewed tonight, about their path as a gnostic in his Ask a Gnostic series. So uh, Jason, thanks so much, and thanks so much for for launching the series and for giving lots of interesting, uh, fascinating, uh, deep and contemplative answers that I think a lot of people out there will have a lot. Oh, well, thanks very much. Thanks for thanks for asking them and being part of the conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll use to more conversations. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.